We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? And we're going to be looking at some things. But before we go there, I want you to write these scriptures down, okay? Now, Doc Shell at our pastor's convention preached a wonderful message. And the message that he preached is that repentance brings revival. So if we want revival, we need to repent. And so then people say, well, what do I need to repent of? Well, if you'll ask God, he'll give you many things to repent of. He'll show you. But the church needs to repent. Now, I know that 90% of us in this church, I don't know if all of us are the same way. We don't like how the election turned out. Amen. And I know we don't like the way the election turned out. We have this list of everything. And see, but see, I don't blame anything on the government. I, I really don't. The government's corrupted and it's always been corrupted. Anything that is made of man is going to have corruption. Now, as long as man gets to make the rules, it just gets more, gets more corruptible as time goes by. The difficulty that we have in our country and the difficulty that we have in the world is not through corrupted governments. It's through corrupted churches. How many of you got a hold of that? And so there's two elements that like to come in to churches. And the two elements are humanism and secularism. And the church has learned how to compromise with those two spirits. And what has happened is because we have compromised with those two spirits, that we have lost the power of God in our churches, the power to stop a corrupted government. Now watch this. It doesn't make any difference what you label a church. Whether you label it a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, a Pentecostal, it don't make any difference what you label it. If that church is compromising, it's lost its vision for the Lord Jesus Christ. But if those churches got a vision of God all over the world, not just the United States, and we repented for not preaching truth, what do you think God would do? Now watch this. The power of God would be so strong in our country that it would affect Washington, D.C. And those people who we see as corrupted politicians would have a desire to find the Lord as their Savior. So why are people not being saved? It's because we're not preaching truth in our churches. How many of you understand that? We're not. And so we have compromised. And because we have compromised, we have left God out. Amen? And so the problem is not with the government. Listen, the problem is not with abortion. I don't care for abortion. I think it's wrong. I think it's murder. But, but men have always aborted babies. Women have always aborted babies. It's as old as, as the world itself. Drugs, I don't, I, drugs are terrible, but it's as old as the world itself. How many of you understand? Humanism is as old as the world itself. And we look at abortion, we look at homosexuality, we look at drugs. These things have always been, but they haven't been to the forefront. Can I give you a tidbit that's not, that's not in, in, in my message? Is that if you'll read the book of Daniel in the 10th and 11th chapter, it gives an excellent description of what Antichrist is going to look like when he gets here. You get more of a description out of Antichrist from the book of Daniel than you do out of the book of Revelation. How many of you knew that? Now watch what happens when it says when Antichrist takes his place, he's not going to have any desire. He is not going to have any desire for women. What does that tell you? It tells you that he's homosexual, right? Well, listen, if the homosexuals don't come out of the closet, then, you, the, the, then, then the Antichrist can't make his place, take his place. So what you have here is that you had then a, a decade ago, now the homosexuals have come out of their closet. 
abortion has come out of the closet. And then what, what you have is now you have a perfect scenario for Antichrist to take his place. Now, understand this. Right now, I don't know why I'm talking this way. It's not in my message. Okay? But understand this. We are one generation away from apostasy. How many of you understand that? So if that be the case, according to the second uh, uh, book of Thessalonians, listen to what he says. He says, the son of perdition or the lawless one cannot take his place until, first of all, the church has fallen away. So when the church falls away, then the church is giving Antichrist permission to come. How many of you got that? And when the church gives Antichrist the permission to come, then we go into tribulation. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but somebody needs to hear it. Amen? So what happens is, is the church has to get hot for God, and that church has to go back to its vision. And what its vision is, is seeing people saved, seeing people healed, seeing people set free in deliverance, and preaching the resurrection and the second coming of the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. And when we get to that point, then God's going to start changing a few things. See, I am looking for revival. I, I personally am looking for revival. I want revival in this church. I want to be able to say to cancer, be gone. How many of you understand that? In the name of Jesus, I want to be able to say, just like Jesus, in the name of Jesus, cancer be gone. I want to say to, to, to diabetes, in the name of Jesus, be gone. I want to say to a woman who's had an abortion and is grieving over it, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Somebody say amen to that. You know what? I want to be able to say to the, to the alcoholic and the drug, uh, the, the one who is addicted to drugs, in the name of Jesus, be delivered. I want the power of God so strong in this church that people passing along the highway there says something's going on and just come in because something's happening. That's what I want to see. Listen, that's when the glory of God starts to fill the earth. How many of you are ready to see the glory of God fill the earth? You want to say to marriages that are being broken all to pieces by the enemy in the name of Jesus, your marriage is healed. In the name of Jesus. Now, listen, how about this one? That we say, in the name of Jesus, Father, let this congregation have a hunger and thirst for the word like they've never had before. Okay, let's look at something here. Now, in Romans chapter 11, stay, stay over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But, but write this down. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Father God, we give you praise now for your word. And we say, bless this word. So Father, we ask the rhema, connect with the logos. Father, that it may penetrate our hearts and we get revelation knowledge. Someone say amen to that through Jesus Christ. So the, the, the King James says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. irrevocable. The, the New American Standard says, without repentance. Okay, which means the calling and the calling and the gifts in your life that God give you will meet you on judgment day. Now, if you're saved, you're not going to stand at the great white judgment throne written in Revelation. But you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ that Paul wrote in first Corinthians. How many of you understand that? And when you stand as a Christian before the, the, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, you and I are going to give an account for the deeds done in our bodies, whether good or bad. That's not sin. Because when we give our heart to the Lord, he forgive us of our sins. Somebody say amen. So I'm not going to stand before God who forgive me of something that he himself can't remember. But I am going to stand before God. I am going to stand before Jesus. What did I do with the opportunities of ministry that he gave me? What did I do with the calling of God that you have given me? Because listen, I'm going to show you before we leave here anyway, I hope so, that every one of you have a calling, every one of you has a gift, and every one of you, including me, will stand before the Lord. And give me an amen on that. It's a hard amen, but give it to me. So in Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 32, and you need to hear this, the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophets, or the gifts to the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now understand something. If you got something that takes you over, that's not of God. 
Somebody says, well, I can't help it. You know, the Holy Spirit takes me over. Here's, now listen to me. God is not going to ever take away your choice. Never. And so when he gives you a gift, it will be your choice whether you will use the gift or not. I was in, I was in Panama. No, I was in, uh, I was in Nicaragua. Let's see, where was I? I was down there in the Horn somewhere in, in, coast, in, 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 in Central America. And we had 19 nations there. We had a pastor's uh, convention. And we had 19 nations there. And some of them Amazon Indians came out in full dress. We had people from Cuba. We had pastors from Cuba there. We had pastors from Panama there. And some of these people had driven uh, for, for hours and hours just to get to this thing. This place was filled up with preachers of all kinds, people of all kinds. And so I had a friend, a pastor friend of mine with me, and this woman stood up and started to speak in tongues. And then she started to uh, uh, give the interpretation of the tongue, and the, pastors, the pastor of that church stood up and said to her, not now, not now. And she just kept on going. And, and, and now, now, if it had been in this church, I wouldn't have been in trouble. How many of you know that? I mean, she would have been in trouble because if I told her to sit down, she better sit down. Isn't that right? And, and so she just kept on, and she gave the interpretation to the pastor friend that was with me. And he looked at me, and he said, what about it? I said, don't worry about it. Let it go. So then I wasn't a pastor, so I didn't really do anything. We was there, and, and we were the head of the convention, but that pastor told her that. And so then, so then after church... Big old, big old tall uh, pastor came and he said, his name was Brown, Pastor Brown. And he said, Pastor Gray, he said, was that of God? And I said, no. And a woman walked up to me and she said, it was too. And I said, now, I don't have to have permission. I said, no, it wasn't. And she said, well, when it comes all over me, I can't help myself. I, tell, I said, that tell you right there, that wasn't of God. And she said, well, why would you say that? I said, when that pastor told you to sit down and you didn't know it, it told me you don't know nothing about spiritual authority. And I said, if God said it and that pastor told you to sit down, I said, that fire would have been at his feet. I said, but because you didn't listen to him, now it's at your feet. How many of you understand? Now, these gifts that we're going to talk about are subject to you. They are subject to you to use when you need them. Somebody say amen. So here's what we know from Paul's writing to the Romans. And by the way, this is also a critique on the, the, the nation of Israel at that time because Paul is showing Israel, said, look, your calling that God gave you from the beginning never ceased. He said the calling and the gifts that God gave you through Moses, that God gave you through the prophets, listen, he said did not cease, you just did not use them. He's saying to the church, now the gifts that you have are irrevocable because God gave them to you. What if you do with them is going to be your business and God's going to lay them at your feet. How many of you understand that? So listen to what he says. He says, now I want you to also understand that these gifts are are subject to you, not you to them. So if that be the case, then it means that I use the gifts when I feel the Holy Spirit want me to use the gifts, and I'll use them when he tells me, okay, but I have to make the decision to use that gift. Does everybody have a clear understanding on that? If you do, wave your hand. All right, so we're going to go on. Okay, so we're going to look at something now. Here's two things that I want you to understand. Now, we teach school here. We have a school, and, and I'm not going to say much about the parents, but in the years that we've had the school, we have a lot, we, we've seen a lot of dysfunction in students. But 100% of the time, most of the time, that when you see the dysfunction in the students, it's always in the parents. It just, hands, it, it just goes down, Right? And, and, and so, you know, the parents want us to fix the dysfunction in the student, but not in them. Now, does that make sense to anybody? 
So we get these kids in here. We used to. We got a really good school right now. But we used to get these kids in. They were on so much medication, nobody knew what they was like. And how many times, Doris, have I told parents, get them off the medication so we can see what we're working with. Isn't that right? And a lot of times when they got off the medication, we found out we can help them, and we have helped them, okay? But, but listen to me. Now, now I, I want you to pay attention to this. We, we got every diagnosis in the country now on our kids. We got ADHD with hyperactivity. We got, there, there's so many diagnoses on these kids, it's just, it, it's not even funny no more. And they just shoot them with uh, drugs. And I got a remedy. Get the board out, put it across their backside one time, and when you tell them the second time, they'll listen to you. Oh, I'm politically incorrect right now. I understand that. And all these kids are saying, Dad, don't listen. Don't listen. Don't listen. Isn't it totally amazing that God says, whom he loveth, he chasteneth, will correct and rebuke if he has to. Isn't that amazing? That God said, you get out of line, I'll take you to the woodshed. How many of you ever got out of line and God take you to the woodshed? You do not want to go back there. It will take care of a lot of dysfunction if you just set up good disciplines. Can you say amen to that? And so all Paul's going to do here now, he's going to set up some good discipline for the church so the church itself is not dysfunctional. Right? Okay, now here we go. So in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now let's look at verse 7 real quick. But to each one, did everybody get that? He didn't say to some of you, he didn't say to you who are, 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 are set apart. He didn't say to Pastor Bill, but not Sherry. He, he didn't say to white people and not black people. He didn't say that. Now, now, look, now look what he says. Now, this is interesting. Now, I know you don't care for this, but to each one is given the manifestation. Say manifestation. Now, see, you don't even know what you just said there. Because, see, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And now what he's saying is, each one of you have a gift, and he is going to manifest the gift or make it visible for you to be able to see for everyone that's in the church, for the common good of the church. He's saying, now, we don't want any dysfunction in the church. We don't want any division in the church. We don't want any schizophrenia in the church. And we don't want any handicapped people in the church. He said, now, if you all don't recognize that God has given you a gift of some sort, he said, then you're going to have some, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be handicapped. Well, I got your attention. You're going to be dysfunctional. Hey, pastor, you can say anything you want to say, but leave tongues out of it. I'm not going to. You can say anything that you want to say, but leave healing out of it. I'm not going to. You can say anything that you want. Pastor, hey, I'll agree with you on prophecy. We'll all agree on prophecy. I don't know why, but we do. Every, every church will say, oh, prophecy, prophecy. Paul says, it's the greater gift. He does. He says, and he's going to use the word unless. How many of you know when he uses the word unless, it just uh, turns that, that all around. Now, here's where I'm going to go for the common good. And so, Doc Shell says, he says, find something in your heart you need to repent of. And, and I said, okay. Now, Henry Pena and Jill Pena did not know I was going to preach this message this morning. They do not go to this church, but he's been with me when I've been on, on missionary visits and different things like that. And so when I do it, he is here to justify what I'm going to say. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Okay, that's amazing to me because I did not tell them to be here. But yet, because Henry Pena is here, it's going, to, it's going to just solidify some of the things I'm going to do. Okay, so, so what happens, Doc says he, says, he says, I want you to find something in your heart that you, you need to repent of. 
And, and, you know, like a good preacher, well, Lord, what do I need to repent of? Really? God said, I'll give you a list a mile long, but I'll just tell you one right now. Right? And he said, he said, here's what I want you to repent of. He said, I give you an anointing and power to use my gifts and you quit. And, and I, I said, well, Lord, how do I quit? And he said, he said, when you do not allow me to operate in power and you let other people, he said, I didn't give them gifts to them. I give them gifts to you. How many of you got a hold of that? And he said, now, he said, what I want you to do is agree with me because repentance is agreeing with God that you sinned. He said, I want you to agree with me that you have stepped out of that. And I said, okay, I am agreeing with you, God, that I have stepped out of that. And my heart now is contrite. And I said, Lord, what must I do? He said, step back into the gifts. They are irrevocable. And the gifts that I have, God has given me, is being able to lay hands on the sick and say you are healed and they are healed. This is hard for some of you. Because we don't preach truth. The gifts that he has given me is able to discern the spirits and look at the enemy and cast him out. We have cast demonic spirits. We don't believe in that. I don't care if you don't believe in it. Hollywood does. And they're making billions of dollars off of it. It's an amazing thing. Hollywood is just full of the devil. And Christians go there. That's the deal that gets me. I'm going to blast some of you. I don't really care. You know what? We are so addicted to cell phones and video games, man. It's a travesty. Man, people can't even go anywhere. You're probably right now putting your phone, your, your phone away because you've been looking at it. Hey, you know what? I leave my phone out there, man, because it'll... I, listen, I, I use my phone for two things. Now, you can use it for whatever you want to. But I use my phone for two things. I use it for calling people, them calling me and texting. That's it right now. And I got an iPhone and Mark, Pastor Mark Linder out of Alabama said, what'd you get that phone for? He said, you don't need that. He said, he said to me, he said, you're never going to know what's on that phone. I thought, no, I'm not. Okay. But we are so addicted. And so I, I, I said, okay, Lord. And so I'm gonna, I, I, I said, Lord, I'll start walking in power because you have given it to me. And the church needs power, and I'm going to tell you why. Now, because we are on the threshold of revival like we've never seen before. Now, the Bible says here, but to each one, that's you and that's me, is given the manifestation or the proof or the visible, visible sighting of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Now, we're going to look through this, okay? So the manifestation of the Spirit or the manifestation of God is given to each one of us for the profit of all of us. How many, have you, how many of you got that? Now pay attention to me, please. If every person in this church was to say this, God, we are opening ourselves up for you. Fill us up right now in the name of Jesus that we might be part of the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. There would be a revival start in this church that would encompass the whole globe. I know that you don't believe that, but listen. If one man can put a 1,000 to flight and two men put 10,000 to flight, I'm not much on math, but I know the power of 10,000 is a number that is fantastic. I've never, I probably wouldn't be able to even imagine all of it just out of this church right here, if we had the faith to believe that God can, God would change things. Amen. God can. He, he said to Mary, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, he said, with God, all things are possible. That's an amazing thing. So now listen to what he says. He's going to, he's, I'm not going to elaborate on all of these. He said to one, I'm, I'm going to give the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is when I can transmit his specific knowledge to you in a supernatural way so that it goes beyond your ability. And what is that? I come to church, I have a pain across my chest. And there are three people that have that pain that God just healed. 
Now, for you that doubt, that's fine. Because I understand how you would. It'd be hard to accept, especially if you haven't heard it before. But it's called the word of wisdom. And God will, will give you, I mean, it's called the word of knowledge. Pardon me. It's called the word of knowledge. All right. And so the word of knowledge is God transmitting his specific knowledge to you to show you where somebody else has something going on with them. Word of knowledge. Did Jesus use it? Jesus used the word of knowledge all the time. He would answer them before they asked a question. He reasoned with them all the time. Man, even before they can ask it, he would already answer the question. Okay? All right, now, now let's go on. And then you have the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a direct word from the Holy Spirit for the time in which you need action. That is the direct word from the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom. The word of prophecy. Now, this is not the office of prophecy. This is the word of prophecy. And the word of prophecy is when you have a word that encourages others. Paul said this is the greatest gift. And the whole church ought to be operating in prophecy. And what is it? Just encouraging other people. Okay. The word of faith. And, and, and we all have faith, okay? According to Romans 12, 3, he has allotted each one of us a measure of his faith. Say his faith. So you have a measure of his faith. So whatever Jesus did, you did because he only used a measure of his faith. And so he looks at men, he says, oh, ye of little faith. Do you know what he's really saying to him? He said, the littleness of your faith is greater than anything the devil can bring against you. It's not a rebuke to say, oh, you don't have no faith. You got little faith. He's, what he's saying is that you have little faith, but the little, littleness of your faith, he said, is greater than anything that the de devil can bring against you. And so then they say, how do we increase our faith? He says, use what you have, and I'll give you more. Do you ever tell your kids that? Use what you have, and I'll give you more. But do you ever just keep giving kids things, keep giving kids things, and they rot right there on the table? Right. I told my son one time he looked at his mom and he said, he said, uh, uh, I, I, I want a milkshake. And I said, well, you're not going to get a milkshake till you eat what's on your plate. So he looked at his mom again. Really? And he said, mom, can I have a milkshake? Now, what do you think that did to me? Now, I sat down, and put the law right there, right in front of his face. And I said, now, you're not going to get a milkshake, even if you eat food now. So one day we're out to eat. He's got his three kids sitting there. And one of them said, hey, I'd like a bowl of ice cream. He said, not until you eat what you got on your plate. And the way it worked. He hated me at that time, but he started to love me now. Right? Now, now, now to, to faith. We all have faith. But to some of us, we use it as a gift. Okay. Then there's the gifts of healing. Gifts. This is the only gift that's plural. It's the gifts of healing. And listen, you want to know about the gifts of healing? Go read the Great Commission out of Mark chapter 16, starting with the 16th verse. And he said, and these signs shall follow those who believe. And every one of those signs that shall follow those who believe is a gift of healing. Is healing. He said, we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Didn't he say that? He said, we'll cast out devils. That's healing. There's different ways of healing. Now, I, I don't believe in divine healing to the point where you shouldn't see a doctor. You say, go to a doctor. Uh, do you understand right now if somebody comes up here and smacks me in the head with a hammer, that while you're praying for me, get me to the hospital? Does everybody understand that? If, if I fall down and break my leg, I take me to the hospital, have them said, but pray for me. Now, what, what does that, the gifts of healing do? It goes beyond what man can't do. Amen. How many of you understand that? It goes beyond what men cannot do. Okay? And it's the supernatural healing of the Lord. My dad really believed in, in divine healing. And then we have the gift of miracles. And this transcends the laws of nature. I like the gift of miracles. It transcends the laws of nature. Now, we, we, are in, uh, we are in, I think, uh, Costa Rica. And we're, I think we're in the DR. We're in the DR, and there's a hurricane-type storm coming towards the church that we're, in, we're, we're, we're preaching at. And we're looking at that, and pastor, we had five preachers, didn't we? Okay, now, this pastor right here can verify what I'm saying. And we're watching the storm come in. 
Tell them what happened. So the storm's coming in. Here, stand up so they can see you. So the storm's coming in. We, get, we arrive at the place the storm's coming and we see it coming. We get inside the church and things start uh, rattling, shaking. Electricity's going out. There's no electricity, so it's going dark. And literally, there's no windows in the building, so, so the curtains or drapes or whatever you want to call them are straight out like this inside blowing inside and you stand and you so what did we do we spoke to the storm sees literally lights come back on storm goes around us the storm went around us we preached yeah for there we preached for a couple hours yeah and as we get done preaching, we come down off the stage. Of course, the Holy Ghost comes through. As we step down off the stage, it's out in His direction. The stage was probably about as high as that altar right there. And we five of us step down at the same time. Everybody in there, literally, were slain in the spirit. It's just like a wave. As we step down, the storm coming around us. There was no storm when we left. Storm. Miracle. So the miracle is, is that this hurricane storm's coming, and we just stood out there and rebuked it. It came, but it had to go around us. It couldn't blow in the church. So we preached a message, and we, we did a tag team message, all five of us. And when the last guy is up to preach, the anchor man, I told the pastors, I said, when he takes that mic, we'll step off the stage, and we're going to lay hands on people. And when we stepped off that stage, it goes, whoosh. And everyone was slain in the spirit. Now, you don't have to believe that. Call miracles. It's on video. It's on video. You don't have to believe that. But it's called miracles. A miracle is anything that transcends and defies the natural laws. It's a divine act of God by which God reveals himself as deity to the natural laws. And we haven't even got excited yet. And then we have this next one that usually women have it. Okay. And it's the discerning of spirits. All right. Now, now you, you don't have the gift of discernment. It's not in the Bible. But there is the gift of discerning spirits. And most of the time, women have that. I don't know if it's because men just are blocked. And some men do have it. But women have that. And what they can see in the spirit and hear is spirits that are not of God. And they discern those. Okay, and then they try to tell you. Now, most of the time that that spirit is going to irritate the one that knows it. Okay, spirits identify with spirits. And so if my wife has that gift, and she don't know how to tell me. So when she starts to tell me, she always acts like she's mad at me. And I'm saying... Hey, hey, I got an amen out of a Baptist. I'm sorry, a recovering Baptist. So I say to her, I just got part of my mustache in there. I say to her, can you tell me a little bit different? I think you're mad at me instead of the devil. But women have that. And there's an irritation that comes, and that's how they know that. But what you have to learn is how to use that gift. Because that is one of the most important gifts in the church. Is when the enemy comes in, somebody has to identify him. Does, do you understand? Okay, let's go on. Discerning of spirits. All right. And then we, we go on to different kind of tongues, or various kinds of tongues, which we don't use anymore. Okay, but the different kind of tongues, angelic tongues, and they speak mysteries, these tongues do. Okay, they are called the language of angels, and, and most of the time the tongues are not understandable to the human ear. Okay, and there's various kinds of tongues because when we're in Africa, we're preaching to three different dialects three different dialects, and so I'm preaching to English, but I have two African dialects, and so I have uh, an interpreter on this side, interpreter on this side, I'm preaching, and they're interpreting, and finally a guy gets up in the back, and he says, listen, we don't need you, we understand in our own language. 
That's what God did on the day of Pentecost. And you say, well, that's the only guy. Listen, but Paul said, and we're going to show that. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he said, my desire is that you speak in tongues. That's what he says. He says, but I would rather say five words in my known language so I can teach you than 10,000 words in an unknown language because you're not going to get it. Now watch what he says. He said, if you all stand and talk in tongues, he said, when the unbeliever and the ungifted come in. Isn't that amazing? He said, when the unbeliever and the ungifted, you know what the ungifted are? Those who have compromised the gifts away and do not understand that they are still activated in the church today, and they are ungifted. Paul starts off this way. He says, I do not want you to be uninformed. And we have been uninformed with what God is doing in the presence of our churches today. And God wants to move with the revival because he knows that there's things coming down the path that we're not going to be able to stand if we don't have these gifts backing us up and the power of God. Somebody say amen to that. We have to have that. And so he, so gifts is going to be such a big deal Back in that day, let alone this day, it's going to be such a big deal that he takes a whole chapter 14 and explains how to use that. And then we still don't want to listen to that. When I went to Calvary Bible College, and I'll call it right out, Calvary Bible College, I was the first, uh, first charismatic person that ever wanted to get in, into that school. That's when it was downtown Kansas City, not out there in Olathe. And so I go in there, and all I want to do is just learn the Bible. I don't care about their Baptist doctrine. It will make no difference to me about their Methodist doctrine. All I wanted was, I knew I didn't know Bible. I wanted somebody to explain Bible to me. That's all I wanted to know. And so they call me in the, the, dean, the president's office, I'm sorry, and they give me an affidavit and they want me to sign the affidavit. Now pay attention because this is true. That tongues are the devil. Tongues are not of the devil. Now, People use tongues that make it a usage of the devil, but it's not. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit, God says, needs to be in your congregation. And so listen to what he says. He says this. He says, if the unbeliever and the ungifted or those who do not operate nor want to hear about the gifts come into your church, they'll think you're crazy. And that is true. If we all stand, if we all stand up and we start speaking in tongues, we're not going to learn nothing. Now, here's the thing about tongues. Now, watch this. Pay attention. Paul said to the church, the Corinthian church, he says, you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. The word edify means to build up. You build up yourself. He said, but when you prophesy, he says that edifies the church or builds up the church. Right? Listen to what he's saying. He's not telling you not to speak in tongues. He, he, he wants you to speak in tongues. He wants you to build yourself up. Listen, I need to be built up. My immune system needs to be built up to fight off anything that wants to come against my body. I need to build it up. When I had this heart surgery, Dr. Swabby says, now you got to stay inside. And I said, why? She said, because your immune system is way too low and you'll be the first to get COVID. And I said, is that right? And she said, yeah. So I go to my doctor, and my doctor's right here, Mr. Stan Jagger. Amen. You never knew he was doctor, did you? He didn't either till now. And I go up to him because I know he, he's into holistic stuff, and remember that? And I said, what can you get me that will build up my immune system? Remember that? And him and his wife, she's a nurse, and they start pouring into me all kinds of drugs. I mean, all kinds of vitamins. Did I say drugs? All kinds of things. And then when people came to my house, I invited them in, didn't I? And I said, sit down, and we're going to have a good time. I don't want, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convalescing with my open heart surgery, and all I want people to do is come in there and sit down and talk to me. I don't care if they got COVID, man. I am lonely. I'm sorry, Nancy. She's in children's church, got away with that one. Okay, all right. I want people, build it up. Listen to what, what, what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, he's saying, listen, build yourself up. 
uh, uh, Jude says this. He says, and building yourself up in, 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 how's that go? I forgot. It's verse 20, huh? In your most holy faith, building yourself up in the Holy Ghost. And when he's talking about, he's talking about praying in tongues. He's talking about building yourself up. And so when I come to church, before I come to church, I always speak in tongues. I speak in tongues all, all the time. And why do I do that? Because I need to be built up for you. You need to be built up for me so that when I come in here, I can prophesy to you and give you a word that's encouraging. How many of you understand that? But then when I prophesy, you should be encouraged when I speak in tongues, I should encourage myself. I cannot build you up until I build me up. Does that make sense to anybody? Various kinds of tongues. Okay, let's stay. And then interpretation of tongues. But you all that have this gift of inter interpretation make me tired. You do. You make me tired. And I'll tell you why. Tongues is a message in tongues is given. And you'll walk outside, shake my hand. All of you have done it. You know, you know what, Pastor? I had the interpretation. I'm just so afraid. Really? And God has given you the spirit of fear along with interpretation. I, I, I don't know what to say. All you have to do is open your mouth and God will fill it. If he's given you the interpretation. Okay, let's go on. All of you, I just kind of got you a little bit. And then we go from chapter 12 into verse 13. And this is where we get to say that all of these things ended. Okay, get your Bible open over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Get it open. I'm going to take a few seconds here. Listen to the rustling of the leaves in the mulberry trees. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. How many of you got that? Have you, do you see it? Now, I'm going to read it to you. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Do you see that? He said, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Now, the greater gifts are power gifts. And we'll go into them some other time. He said, and I show you still a more excellent way. Hey, now, now just eliminate right now chapter 13 and go over to chapter 14, okay? And look how he starts in chapter 14. Pursue love, that's chapter 13, okay? Yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. How many of you see that? Now, now does everybody know what parenthetical is? Everybody know what's in parentheses. Have you ever been reading a book and you got a sentence and then there's parentheses and they put a, 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 a touch in there or they're kind of explaining some things to you? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 13 is parenthetical. It is in parentheses. Because Paul now is going to get in the gifts and the Corinthian people were already into the gifts and they were messing these gifts all up because church was all messed up. Okay, so now he's going to get into parentheses here and he said, now I've showed you this and I don't want you to forget something. He said, I don't want you to forget love. He said, and I'm going to show you how love is Jesus. And so what he's doing now, he, he, he wants you to understand that God, Jesus, is the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind. How many of you understand that? He is the greatest way. There is no name like the name of Jesus. Listen, the Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of you know that? Paul's saying, listen, he said, someday, he said, tongues are going to cease. He says, someday, knowledge will cease. He said, someday, wisdom will vanish away. He's just got it. He said, but Jesus will remain. How many of you understand that? Listen, in heaven, you're not going to need any of these gifts. When Jesus reigns on earth in that thousand-year reign, you're not going to need these gifts. But you need these gifts right now. I need these gifts right now. But I cannot forget what it's all about. It's all about Jesus Christ him who was crucified, risen from the dead, and is coming again. Somebody say amen. And that's what Paul, he said, I don't want you to forget that. He said, listen, God's given you the power to sustain the church and defeat the devil, but you're going to be in trouble if you forget who Jesus is.
Wow. You can't say it any better than that. And so then he just picks it right up. And listen to how he finishes 13. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. Right? Now abideth faith, hope, and Jesus. Because every place where that word love is, is Jesus. Now abideth, and some, some translations even put his name in there. Now abideth faith, hope, and Jesus, these three. But the greatest of these three is Jesus. He said, don't forget it. And then he goes on and he picks right up with the Corinthians. He picks right up just like I'm going to do with you. Because in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 13, he's, he's talking about uh, future tense. You will not need any of these gifts in heaven because in heaven everybody will be in unity. They will be in oneness. And, and, and so we're, it, it, it's needed down here on this earth right now. I'm coming to an end. And all people said, Amen. Thank you. 14.1. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. But he said desire spiritual gifts. That word desire right there is covet. Does any of your translations say covet? I don't need to covet what you have. But I certainly need to covet the word of God. I need to covet the gifts. He said especially that you may prophesy or that you might encourage Verse 5. Now, we'll listen to what Paul says in verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. So he wants you to speak in tongues, but he also even more wants you to prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless. Unless. And when he used the word unless, he put them both on the same plane. He said, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Wow. Now, listen to what he says. Verse 39. Therefore, brethren, well, that's the church, desire to prophesy. But listen to this command that he's given. But do not forbid to speak with tongues. Not in tongues. Now watch it. Oh, they speak in tongues. Mm -mm. We speak with tongues. He says this. He says, therefore, brother, desire to prophesy. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. And with tongues means it's got to go along with everything that you do. Mm -mm -mm. Everything that you do, Holy Spirit will speak through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28 God has appointed, that means ordained, these in the church. Now look, I want you to go over there, 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 28. God has appointed, that word is ordained, God has ordained these in the church. Number one, apostles, we eliminated them. Number two, prophets, we eliminated them. Number three, teachers, we eliminated them. Number four, miracles. We don't believe in them. Number five, gifts of healing. We don't believe in it. Administration, varieties of tongues. We don't believe in those no more. Listen, you, you, go, you defy the word of God and you want God to answer your prayer. All the prophets, all the prophets. We're saying, hey, God's going to deliver us. God's going to deliver us. God's going to deliver us. God's going to deliver this nation Mr. Trump's going to be president. Joe Biden's not going to be in. Did I ever say that for us? I did not say that. I would tell her, I'd tell my wife, I said, I don't know how they can say that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the church will not deal with abortion. The church will not deal with homosexuality. The, the church will not. Hey, listen, I don't understand people living together because they can't afford to get married. They... they why don't you get married? I can't afford it. You, you, you eat the same food, you live in the same house, you drive the same car, and they have children too, by the way, and you can't afford it. You can't afford it. So evidently, they don't have $50 for a marriage certificate or something. I don't understand that. And yet we in the church have allowed those kind of people to have position in our churches. No, people, you can't do it. You can't do it. Do you understand? You can't do it. Sin is sin. It's offensive to God. 
How many of you understand you sin, you're offending God? He's not taking your name out of the book of life, but you offend him. Listen, sin offends God, and the church is offending God. Not the world that's offending God. The world's doing what the world does. Read Matthew chapter, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said about the world. He said the world will wax worse and worse. He said the love of many shall grow cold. But when the church compromised, how did the church compromise? When we did away with the apostles. How did the church compromise when we did away with the prophets? And you know what we forget? We forget that God will not do anything until he speaks to the prophets first. Do you know that? God's not going to move. He's not going to do anything until he speaks to the prophets. And then the prophets stand up. Now, you need to see how valuable the prophet is in the church. If you're a prophet, stand up. If you're a prophet, stand up. Now, watch this. If you're a prophet. Yeah, if you're a prophet. I still have one prophet that hadn't stood. There we go. I still got one that hadn't stood. But you can sit down now. She knows who she is. But why? Well, listen, prophets, now, now let's pay attention. God has ordained these in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, administrations. That's an organizer and getting everything out right. Varieties of tongues. Then he goes on over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He said, and to some he's given as apostles, to some he's given as prophets, to some he has given as evangelists, to some pastors, to some teachers. Why? For the unity of the church till the church comes into unity to the full measure of a, a we are son. And a we are son is one who has come into the full stature of God's blessing and maturity. Paul, Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, you can't understand what I'm saying to you because you want the milk of the word, but you need to get on the meat of the word. The writer of Hebrews says this, he said, you know what, I'm going to have to stop and go back over elementary things because you can't handle the meat of the word. The meat of the word's not given. Listen to me. I am telling you that Jesus Christ is coming and he's not going to delay his coming. And it is close. Before he comes, there will be a great revival take place in his church. And do you want to be part of that? Because you get to make that decision whether you're going to be part of it. Let's stand if we would. In 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 14, watch what he says. Says to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you. He says that, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands by the eldership. There's a transference when you lay on hands. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, therefore I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. How many of you know that? Verse 6. Now listen to what he's saying. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Acts 1.8. After that, the power of God has come upon you. Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then a sound mind, the authority of Christ. 